0: And today, as we look at attractiveness, we just want to say, isn't it silly how we pursue attractiveness? Isn't it silly how we, how we believe the things that the world says so easily and we just get bought right in? Man, all of, us, all of us know what beauty looks like, right? We're all attracted to beauty. Why do you think we're so attracted to beauty? You ever think about it? Why are we so attracted to beauty? What is, all of us have a different version of what we think is attractive. In the 70s, in the 70s, all of us guys would have had our shirts buttoned down that far. All of us have these different versions of what we think is attractive. But why are we all so attracted to beauty? Candy for the eyes. There you go. It's easy. we Have you ever heard that? Easy on the eyes. Yeah, it's easy to look at. Why is it that it's easy to look at? We all know beauty when we see it, right? Here's some beauty. Uh, We all know beauty when we see it, right? Um, But keep going. There's more slides. Beauty, we love to look at it. Is there anything as beautiful as the stuff that God made? You know, God says right from the start that he's a creator. And he created the world and all of its beauty. Some of those just make your mouth hang open, don't they? We love beauty. We love going to beautiful places. We love seeing beautiful people. We love trying to be more be- Have you ever looked at a flower? Flowers are just amazing. Have you ever seen like a hummingbird with all of its colors? Just, just breathtaking. Sometimes you see a sunset and you just... You just stop. Have you ever pulled off the road to look at a sunset? Because it just captures you. What is it about beauty that we're attracted to? And what is it about us as people that draws us uh, towards this issue of attractiveness? Now, I know most of us probably cleaned up this morning, right? Most of us cleaned up this morning. Most of us didn't come here just the way we were when we rolled out of bed, right? Right? We all want to on some level be more attractive than we are every day. Do you know, I mean just the numbers on this are astounding. It's amazing. The num- the amount of money that we spend on attractiveness. So each year, check this out. We spend as in the states, we spend 40 billion dollars on cosmetics, okay? We spend 13 billion dollars on cosmetic surgery and Botox, and and we spend seventy billion dollars on dietary products. Okay, and the way that boils down, because all of those big numbers they don't really make that much sense, it averages out to twelve to fifteen thousand dollars per adult female in this country. All right, um, annually spent on cosmetics on looking more beautiful. We all know that we have this thing inside us where we want to be more attractive. We want to have other people perceive us as more attractive. Why is that? Is it just because of commercials? Or is there something in us that God has created and that he desires us to pursue him in? If it's your first time to K2, we just want to let you know that, that man... Some of these things that are common to all of us, sometimes we just don't even ask the question. And we want to say, why is it that we all, all feel this way? And does God actually have an answer for it? And so we're going to look into the Bible and do that. You know, it's been, it's been fun to get to know a lot of you. And each week we're getting to meet with more and more of you and really enjoying it. And we've done a few fun things together. But next Saturday, I got to tell you, Next Saturday, we are going to have an amazing time. Um, and I hope you join us. We're going to be at the South Jordan Park, right? Is that what it's called? South Jordan Park? Um, no, sorry, Veterans Memorial Park in South Jordan, right? Veterans Memorial Park. We are next, next Sunday, or next Saturday, excuse me, next Saturday at 10 a.m., we're having pigskin and pancakes, all right? We are playing football together and we're having pancakes, and we really hope that you join us. Even if you don't want to come and play football, come and have a stack of pancakes, watch a bunch of people get hurt, and uh, pretend they're younger than they are, and, uh, and cheer for us. We're going to be there for about an hour and a half. We're going to have pancakes and face painting for the kids and, and fun stuff like that. Come and join us next Saturday. The other thing that we're, we have coming up is a trip to Manila. And uh, is anybody here going to Manila? Is anybody on that trip? Who's All right, and that leaves in how many days, nine days? Next Monday. Next Monday, eight days. Okay, it leaves in eight days, and they still need some things to take. Do you, know, do you know anything exactly currently that we're short on? There's a list of things in your flyer. If you'd like to help send over to the kids and to the ministry in Manila, um, pick those things up and drop them by the office, and we'd love to have you help in that process. And the other thing that we're doing is we're collecting food for, for serving lunch at Pioneer Park. And there's some details in the brochure and we'd love to have you involved with that. Um, our goal here is that we would do life together genuinely. That we wouldn't come and do church here on Sunday morning and then, and then go out and live the rest of our lives and then come back and, and do church here on Sunday morning and then go and live the rest of our lives. We want actually to see... God's word affect our whole life. We actually want to build relationships that actually transform the way we do life together. That I would have friends that would encourage me to follow Jesus. That I would have friends in you that I would spend time with and we would just have a good time together. And that we would pursue God together. And that's our goal here. And so um, whether it's playing football or serving, serving lunch at Pioneer Park, that's our desire uh, for you, you to get involved with. We got a few different uh, home groups, uh, groups that we call life together groups and continuing the conversation groups. We'd love to have you get involved with some of those. Uh, later on today, we're gonna we're gonna worship, and there's a there's a blue card on your on your seat, and we would love to have you uh, say, "Hey, can I have help? I need help in this area. Would you pray for me in this area? Would you would you help me?" to get involved with some of these groups. man, write your information down on there, and and later on today, when uh, the bags go around, we'd love to have you participate in that. All of us want to be attractive on some level. And God has made this world in such that, man, there is beauty everywhere, and we're so drawn to it. And we want to be beautiful. You know, they take surveys, and they try to figure out what people perceive as beautiful. Have you ever seen any of these? Why is it that people commonly pursue or they perceive a certain person to be beautiful? They actually have scientifically figured out that it has a lot to do with symmetry in your face. If your face is, is symmetrical and things are spaced evenly, uh, more people will perceive you as attractive. Um, they actually have mathematical equations for your body proportions. And... And there are ways that we perceive as people, we perceive on the outside what is attractive. There are also ways that we offer as a society how to fix those things. And that's what, that's what we spend so much money on, trying to fix those things and to look differently. And, and God has a lot to say about beauty. In fact, if you read in the scriptures, God doesn't pretend like some of us aren't more attractive than others. Did you know that? God doesn't pretend like all of us are identically the same. Here's what he says. Start in, uh, let's start right here um, in Genesis. Uh, Remember Sarah? When Abraham came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that his wife Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. Um, For her whole life, Sarah was said to be a very beautiful woman. And people perceived, even in her old age, that she was very beautiful. Let's go to the next one. And first, remember uh, King Saul? King Saul was a man who stood a head taller than any of the other men around. And he was perceived as a leader because of his appearance. Uh, We don't know anything about his face, but... He was perceived as a leader just because of his appearance and his size. Keep going. In Genesis 29, now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel. All right. Two sisters, one is more beautiful, and he's in love with the more beautiful one. In Esther, do you remember Esther? She became queen of the Persian Empire. This girl, was also known as Esther, was lovely in form and features. And Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. I think we've got one more. And in Isaiah, interestingly enough, even though God says that, God says that there are people who are just more beautiful than the rest of us, he says this, in prophecy of his son Jesus who would come. He says he grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty, no majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Think about that. God, he's the maker of heavens and earth. He makes things absolutely stunning, absolutely beautiful. He creates some people such that all the rest of us say, oh my word, that person is beautiful. Would you look at him? Man, he is handsome. God created those people. You know the people who are the prettiest are the ones that seemingly don't have to work at it as much. Do you know what I mean? And all of us say, wow, God, you, you didn't hold anything back right there. That was beautiful. And then his son comes. And Isaiah foretold There's nothing beautiful about him. Nothing that we should be attracted to him at all. Isn't that interesting? I find that intriguing. He wasn't like these guys, that's for sure. Jesus, when he was here, he didn't look like these guys. Because these guys are over the top. God says there's beauty. There's attractiveness. But when he sent his son... There was nothing, nothing that people looked at him and said, oh, I just want to be close to him. I just want to lay my eyes on him. Why would he do that? Well, let's keep going. You know, the Bible, the Bible says that about beauty. What does the world say about beauty? Have you ever looked back in time at what people thought was beautiful? Have you ever looked at that? Do you ever notice how, how frequently and how often we change the standards of beauty? We say, this is attractive. This is beautiful. And, and there's style. Don't get me wrong. There's, there's different styles through the generations. And my grandfather, you know, always had a hat on and, and a coat and everywhere just in daily life. Remember, I, don't, I wasn't around, but remember when men always used to wear suits and ties every day all the time and hats and And if you go back even further, like to the Victorian area, uh, the people who were the most beautiful, what were they like? They were overweight and they were very, very white, very pale, right? Because their overweightness meant that they had plenty to eat and they didn't have to work and their paleness meant they never had to go outside, they never had to work, okay? Now, you and I who work inside and work in cubicles people who are who are are wealthy, right? They can eat the finest foods and they can be very trim and and they can be very tan because they can spend all their time in the sun, not working, right? It changes so much and we're so fickle on what we call attractive. We just change it. And then we sell it, don't we? We sell it to each other. You have a you have an advertisement for For a can of Coke, and you have just a standard, normal, ugly-looking dude on the side, right? No, never. You put an absolutely beautiful person with a product so that you what? I want that product. You don't know why you want it. You just know there's beauty there. I'm attracted to that. I want that. We change it. You know, even today, I think if they would have had plastic surgery 100 years ago... They would have done it just as much. It's not that we're more vain. It's just that technology is increased and we can, we can buy it. We can reshape it. We can take it away. We can take it from down here and put it up here. We can do whatever we need to, right? And you got to know that this place, the billboards in this place, it's, there, it's, it's not like this everywhere. We, we love beauty and, and we want to buy it. In the Sunday newspaper, you have coupons for milk, coupons for getting your teeth whitened, coupons for plastic surgery. You know, it's just a, it's become a normal, a normal thing. Everybody wants to be attractive. So what does God say about being attractive? That's what I want to know. Um, One of the things that uh, God says besides this is, remember in Proverbs 31, he says, charm is deceitful and beauty is is vain. But he's talking about women and he says, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. These other things, we all know they go away. Time happens. Gravity happens. Metabolisms change. The beauty you thought you had here you don't think you had now. And, and all of those things are fleeting. Even Paul says, he says, physical health is good. Paul says physical health is is something that is to be pursued. It's okay, but it's not as good as spiritual health. If you have to choose one or the other, choose spiritual health. Because this life is temporary. And God says once you become a believer in him, you become a citizen in his kingdom. And that's where your real identity is. We'll get into that. So does God give us a solution for all this? This is really my question. Because we all know the tension, but if we don't talk about it, here's what will happen. You and I will show up week after week trying to be as attractive as we can, not talking about it. And what we'll do is, in one way or another, we'll put our, we'll put our confidence in our work or in how we look or, or in something else. And all the while, we'll miss putting ourselves into Christ. At K2, we just... We, if you're visiting us, we want you to know that God is a good God. And he, doesn't, he didn't write the Bible. He didn't, he didn't send his son Jesus to give us a list of rules to bind us and keep us so that we can dance for him and perform for him in a way that hopefully we're okay for him in the end. He gave us his son. He revealed his word to us so that we might have the best life, life abundant now, life in freedom and in him now and life pursuing Him till the end of our days. And it's an adventure. But so easily we buy the lie. So easily we buy the cheap attractive. You know what I mean? We so easily go for the cheap version when God has so much more for us. So I want to look at a couple of passages that really speak to this issue of attractive. And the first one's in 1 Samuel. And in 1 Samuel 16, the setup is this is that Samuel is a prophet and, and King Saul has been the first king ever of Israel and the people really wanted a king and, and after he failed, after he fell, uh, they needed a new king and God said, go to the house of Jesse and he had seven sons and first of all, he only brought in the six, and then finally brought in the seventh and Samuel's looking at all of these sons And Sam was just like you and me. What do you do if, you know, if God tells you to go pick one of these guys to be the leader, to be the king, and there's seven guys lined up in a row? What do you do? Well, you start taking a look at them. You start looking at their shoulders, you know, because to be honest, shoulder to waist ratio kind of is a, a big, strong thing. You know what I mean? Most women are attracted to broader shoulders and a narrower waist. And, and most people think, man, this guy's going to be strong. He's going to be somebody we can follow, right? And so you start looking at, at physique. You start listening to side comments to see, man, who has a better voice? Who could command an audience? And he starts doing that. And he thinks that the oldest son, Eliab, is, is the one that's probably the most natural leader. And so he begins to think, you know, Eliab is going to be the one. And at that point, God speaks to the heart of the prophet Samuel, and he says this. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things that man looks at. Boy, isn't that true? We, just because we're people, just because we're flesh, just because we... We are who we are as people. We see things on the surface so easily. Don't we? We see things on the surface. If somebody comes in and they're dressed a certain way, you immediately just have some assumptions, don't you? If somebody comes in and, and they don't look like they've cleaned themselves up for a couple of days, you immediately you make assumptions. He says this. The Lord does not look at things the way man looks at them. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. I don't know how that makes you feel. I don't know whether that terrifies you or that frees you. You know, on one hand, it really terrifies me. Because it is it's so much easier to clean up the outside. It's so much easier to, to wear the right thing, get made up the right way, and fit right in, and, and just really fly under the radar with God. A lot of us grew up in churches where if, if you kept showing up and you were dressed right, and you seem like you're doing an okay job on Sunday mornings, then you must be a pretty good person. And it's so easy to to just roll with the outside appearance. And then on the other hand, it is so freeing because God doesn't look at the outward appearance. The God of the universe, the one who has called me, who sent his son Jesus to love me, to die for my sins, to, to make me an heir of the kingdom of God, he doesn't look at the outward appearance. So whether I gain 20 pounds or lose 20 pounds, whether I'm weak or strong, whether I'm ugly or good looking, he doesn't care because God looks at the heart. You see, when the Bible talks about attractive... It doesn't say that there aren't more beautiful people. Some of you are just beautiful, beautiful people on the outside. And you might be beautiful on the inside too. But you see, when we as people always go to the outward appearance, we cheapen each other so much. Because God has made each one of us just an integral part of this this community of faith, this church, an integral part of your family, an integral part of your community and society. But when we just say, well, just they're beautiful, just that one's, it, it cheapens everybody else. It's as silly as the video. It's ridiculous. And God looks beyond the appearance. And he says he looks at the heart. You know what I love about David and if you've been around or if you've grown up in church, you probably know this. But David becomes the man in God's word that that God says, this one right here, this is a man after my own heart. God doesn't throw those words around carelessly about everybody. He says, this one here is a man after my heart. He doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the inward appearance. And next week, we're going to hear one of the Psalms that David wrote about security. We're talking about security. All of us know in these days, man, that we want security. The things that we, that we put our security in, some of them have just evaporated before our eyes in these last couple years. And David writes a psalm about security, but David is a man who becomes a man after God's own heart, and David is a murderer, and he's an adulterer, and he breaks God's law. And there's hardly anyone, there's hardly anyone who repents like David. There's hardly anyone who cries out in humility to God like David. David was not a guy who showed up dressed correctly and flew under the radar and hoped you didn't see his heart. His heart spilled out everywhere. His heart spilled out in sin, his heart spilled out in stupidity, his heart spilled out all over the place. And it spilled out in repentance as well. And it spilled out in praise. And it spilled out in humility. And God says, I don't look at the outward appearance. I look at the heart. And he said, this one here has a heart like mine, like no one else. I want to be more like that. One of the things that people perceive as attractive is confidence Um, now nothing to know the actual motive of the person but when we take pictures of models and we put them up and we airbrush them and we make them look beautiful uh, we as people we perceive confidence of them okay you and I know the behind the story a lot that there is so much insecurity there right we know that because we've heard it time and time again that there's so much insecurity there but the truth is, is that we, we perceive confidence as a very attractive thing. And, and you know what? God talks about confidence and about where we, where we get it. Because the truth is, if your confidence is in your outward appearance, I'm not very confident. The truth is that only a few of us get to be pretty confident in our outward appearance. Do you know what I mean? But if my confidence is found somewhere else, if my confidence is found in God, I could become very confident. And these other things that I used to hope to find my confidence in, they could fall away. And if I find my confidence in God, well, let's look at it. In 1 John 4, um, John talks about love and that God loves us and because he loves us, we love each other. In 1 John 4, it says this, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way love is made complete among us so that we'll have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The truth is about the truth is about fear is that when we walk around in fear, we're fearing what people think of us. We're fearing whether or not we're attractive enough. There's lots of different fears. But when you're talking about attractive, when we walk around in worry or we walk around worrying, are, are they going to think this about me? Are they going to think I'm ugly? Do I fit in enough? It is so hard to live in a world that is so saturated with with the images of what you should look like, what you should be. And the world wants to say, buy this, look this way, and then you'll fit in. And God says, walk in my love. Walk in my confidence. Don't walk in confidence that you fit in, that you're attractive on the outside. He says, walk in my love. I love this uh, passage. If, you, if you've never read this before and that word judgment is a little bit strange to you, he says, so that we'd have confidence on the day of judgment. Jesus says that he lived and died for our sins. That anyone who believes in him has their sin forgiven. And that in the future when we stand before God, that when we get there, he looks at us and he says, your sin's been forgiven. Christ died for you. And because you believed, your sin is forgiven. That he died, and for anyone who believes, they have no fear. Because there is no fear of judgment that's coming. And we walk in the confidence that God loves us and that our identity is in him. Wouldn't it be great? Can you imagine what it would be like to be confident all the time? Can you imagine what it would be like to walk in the confidence of knowing my God loves me no matter what? It doesn't matter what I look like. I don't put my hope in my appearance, I don't put my hope in my age, I don't put my hope in the fact that I don't look like I was this many years old anymore. Because God's word says he looks at the heart. We live in a world that worships youth. We live in a world that worships size two. We live in a world that worships six-pack abs. And those things have nothing to do with walking with Jesus. But we put all of our confidence in cheap things. We pursue all kinds of time and energy and resource into being attractive on such an off level. And Jesus says, pursue me. Find your hope in me. Be attractive in your heart. And let God transform you. So, what do we do with that? Do you all just go out for pie? <laughs> pie t- sounds good right now. <laughs> Blackberry pie, do you like pie? Pie is perfect food, I think. I love pie. Flaky crust. Mm. What do we do? Do we just eat pie all the time? Do we just never take a shower? Probably not. Probably not. But I bet that if I went to God and said, God, where am I pursuing cheap attractiveness? Where am I putting my confidence in the wrong things? Where am I too consumed with, with having the newest and the latest God, how come when she looks at me, my heart races? And then I think for a couple hours, oh, I must look pretty good today. God, is there, is there any way that I do life so that guys linger longer around me? Is there any place where I'm putting my trust in my appearance and in my attractiveness that isn't from you. See, if you and I linger there, there's probably a couple of things that you and I could say, I've put my hope in the wrong thing. I've cheapened it. God, the attractive that you, you created, the beauty that you designed and that you called me to pursue you in, in my character, in my heart, that beauty, I've missed it. And I just want you to know that God wants you to be free from it. God doesn't want us to all be here scurrying around, trying to impress each other on the outside and totally totally throw away the opportunity to pursue Him in our heart. Because attractiveness is found in confidence in God. When you and I are confident in the fact that God loves us no matter what, then you know what? Then you and I can be free. What if, what if we had to get a couple less haircuts a year and we had that money to use to serve God? Or what if a half an hour less a day I was able to spend in front of the mirror and spend with my kids? Gentlemen, some of our wives might tell us to spend a few more moments in front of the mirror, by the way. What if, what if we were free from the world's version of attractive and free to pursue God's version of attractive? Might that mean that when we're at the gym that we would be more concerned about the person near us who needs to hear the love of Christ than, than the fact of, man, I got it gotta all about me. Do you think maybe that our eyes would focus less on us and we'd be free to say, God, who do you want me to serve around me? If I walked into this group and I knew I, I wasn't quite myself today, I, wasn't, I didn't have my A game on and my hair wasn't quite right. and What if on that kind of morning, I was totally free from worrying about what anybody else thought of me and I could look for the person at the side of the room who nobody's around. And I could say, I'm going to go serve that person. You see, when you and I are consumed with a cheap version of our attractiveness, it becomes all about ourselves and how we look and what people think of me and, and what's going on with me. And if we could be free from that, we could say, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to serve today? And as a family, as K2, that's what we want to be. We want to serve one another well. We don't want to be consumed with ourselves. We want to be consumed with Jesus. And say, Jesus, send me out. Tell me where to go. Tell me who to talk to this morning. Who can I minister to? But if you and I are here playing top model, who can be hotter on Sunday morning? It's always going to be all about us. And it's going to be as bad as the video. (laughs) All right. All right. So let me pray for us, and, uh, and we're going to worship. The band's going to come on up. As we worship today, I want to encourage you to say, God, is there any way in my life that, that I'm just consumed with myself and my image, my attractiveness, that I just need to give to you? God, would you forgive me? Would you renew me? Today, as we worship, the, the offering bags are going to come through. And I just want to let you know before I pray that um, if you're visiting with us, man, totally, do not do not put anything in the offering. You're our guest. And if this is your home, I'd love to have you give generously and continue the work of the ministry here. But know this, as you worship, at least as I worship, what I wanna, what I want to see is I want to say, God, would you make my eyes more full of you and what you consider attractive? Would you make me more consumed with being attractive to you and not being attractive to people around me? Jesus, as we come before you today, God, we're grateful for humor. And it's, it is so good to see how silly we are as people and the things that we, that we say and we do and... And we pursue, God, we don't want to be trapped up. We don't want to be bound in lies that we need to, we need to look a certain way and, and we'll never be content, Lord, unless, unless we fit into this or that. God, we want to be free from that. God, we want to appear to you as people who please you. We want to appear to you as people who have a heart that's devoted to you. We want to have the kind of character that you call us to have. So God, as we worship this morning, we just want to say, would you convict us? Would you set us free from places we've put ourselves in bondage to, to what others think of us? To what others think of our, our hair and our clothes and our appearance and our shape? And would you free us to be confident in your love. Confident in a way that helps us to serve others. We love you, Lord. Would you free us, even this morning as we worship. In Jesus' name, amen.